be a Monday. This is Tim and Sid for Monday, November 30th. I'm Sid Sarah McCall's getting a well-deserved week off. Arash Madani of Sportsnet has been kind to say yes to five days of me. That in and of itself is a difficult thing for any human being to endure. But he is not only saying yes to me, he is doing it in a week and I don't want to embarrass him. He is doing it in a week where he is mid-move, so to speak. And that means different things to different people, but anyone who's moved knows it sucks. And not only is Rash Mandani doing that, but he has left his home because he's mid-move. He has gone to parts unknown technically to get on board visually and audio-wise to help us out this week. Arash, before we go into this chaos of the Ravens-Steelers right now, there's plenty of it, I want to thank you, friend. You're a good person. Donovan Benton wouldn't do that. He wouldn't. He wouldn't go to like a whole separate location. <laughs> Check that he did. He went to his in-laws to do the show. Right. A, I, I take it back. But okay. Arash, it, it's great to have you on, buddy. How are you? Oh, can I help with the move? My, I got a bad back. I don't know if I can lift right, boxes. I but do you need anything else? I can bring some pizza and beer. Like what do you like? Cash. What do you need? Cash is always a good thing. Sid, I don't. I lost it. I lost. Right. I'll look. I'll look. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you some. Maybe if you got buddy? off your wallet, your back might feel a little bit better. Oh, maybe if you got off the wallet, your back. It's great to have you on, man. This is uh, thank you. you Rocking the Vikings hoodie today. Not, it's victory not only Monday. Vikings five and six. Congratulations five and six. to you in the playoff hunt. Five and six. In, well, at seven teams in each conference, basically 80% of each conference is still in the playoff hunt, technically. Is that not true? Right. Is that right. not how the math breaks down? So uh, later I'll get, I'll get you to extol the virtues of Kirk Cousins and how he basically got you to this point. You wouldn't have done it without him because Dalvin Cook right. has not played the whole season. Let's be honest here. Um, but let's, uh, Arash, I, uh, thank you for joining us. Seriously, wow, this Raven Steelers story. For those of you just hopping on, between the last moments on the radio side when, when Arash Madani spoke to Jeff Blair and now, things have changed even more. I'll get to the main headline, Arash, and then I'll get your take. So before we came on air today, Arash and I were under the impression, although we were skeptical, <laughs> we were under the impression that Ravens-Steelers was going to be played tomorrow night. Why is this significant? Well, the thing was supposed to happen Thursday night. Last Thursday. Most of, last Thursday. Most of yeah, the Ravens are on the... Thursday. Thanksgiving America. Most of them either caught COVID or were exposed to it. Never mind the fact the Steelers, James Conner, and I believe four others are on the COVID list as well. So both the Steelers and Ravens are dealing with this. It was moved to 1 o'clock yesterday. Nope, that didn't happen. They moved it to tomorrow night, still an NBC game. A penny for Al Michaels' thoughts in this, by the way. Still an NBC game right now. And just moments ago, before Arash and I came on air, Adam Schefter of ESPN tweets the following. Ravens-Steelers postponed to Wednesday per source. We don't have anything official unless I'm missing something, Marash. Keep me honest because it's moving that quick. I see nothing official yet from the NFL. I see nothing official yet from the Ravens. I see nothing official yet from the Steelers. And, Arash, this follows one of the more interesting tweets of the day from Mike Florio, and you talked about it with Jeff Blair on the radio side, but it's worth repeating for those watching on television. I mean, we all know the strains of this virus in every which way. We've all been inconvenienced. But it seems like it has gotten to the point with the Baltimore Ravens as if they are in the middle of a stare down with the National Football League with the message being, we don't want to go to Pittsburgh. 
So here's the tweet from Florio of Pro Football Talk within the last 30 minutes. Per source, there are new fears of Ravens players refusing to play tomorrow night, which technically would be a wildcat strike, could create major issues between NFL and the PA if it happens. Potentially, it could jeopardize the balance of the season. It won't uh, jeopardize rash- the balance of the season. Why not? Why don't you because, think it'll jeopardize? Because the NFL owners want to play. Because the NFL owners get a check from each broadcaster for $296 million a year, and the salary cap is $198 million a year. And 256 so, games are scheduled, and they expect 256 games to be played. You are correct. But, You're but correct. this is a mess. The mess in mess. Baltimore is out of control. Uh, when we were just on with Jeff, we mentioned that one of the Baltimore beat writers had said that the NFL offered Wednesday as a compromise, players wanted Thursday, that there's a group of Ravens unhappy about having to play on Tuesday. This one now from one of the Ravens beat reporters from The Athletic, that about an hour ago, the Ravens still hadn't gotten back all of their COVID-19 tests for today, but there was at least one positive test. So Sid, by the math... That's nine straight days of at least one positive test at Ravens headquarters. And the positive is reportedly from a player on the active roster, not practice roster or IR. So we're, we're now in the neighborhood, Sid, of coming up on half of the active roster has COVID. Correct. Correct. Half. Of the act, almost half of the active roster has COVID. Now, we understood yesterday, this is why the Wildcat strike thing won't affect the NFL at all. The NFL has stopped caring about competitive balance. The NFL has stopped caring about, well, they never cared about player safety to begin with, but especially among COVID. We were having the conversation before we came on air about the Denver Broncos situation. If, if you are not going to postpone a game, When a football team, a professional football team, does not have a quarterback, then what is the threshold to cancel? What is the threshold to postpone? What what is required to have some Uh, kind of competitive balance in this mess? The NFL doesn't care about the players. They don't care about the Ravens. They just want the check. There's the rub. Because I don't know, Arash, I don't know if it's totally about the check here. It's about the type of game that you're affecting. It's about the Denver Broncos have not been nationally relevant since Tebow. And by the way, Tebow wasn't much better than Kendall Hinton was yesterday. Tim Tebow had a two completion. Super Bowl after Tebow. I'm saying since Tebow, they have not been. The thing that's different to me about what's happening here with the Ravens and the Steelers is they're the Ravens and the Steelers. Their profile is way different than whatever the hell your hopes were to having Drew Locke go under center on a 4 o'clock game that most people weren't watching, although you and I were kind of locked, because yeah. Chiefs and Bucks were happening down the dial at CBS. Not CBC. I mean, good get for CBC. CBS. Good and, get. And San Fran, the Rams, wasn't bad either for that. It was a good game. It was a good game. Yeah. But my question to you is, can, can the NFL be so blatantly obvious in why they're doing this? They do not care about Denver, so they made an example out of Denver yesterday and tried to send a message to the rest of the league. Denver technically had their sixth-string quarterback on the field because reportedly the night before they tried to get a strength coach who and played quarterback. And a quality control coach. Don't forget quality the, quality. Control, the quality control coach, excuse me, of, he played some quarterback at Central Florida 
They tried to get clearance to have him go in. So Kendall Hinton was the sixth option. And by the way, shout out Kendall Hinton. That was ridiculous. He woke up Saturday morning, a practice squad player. He practice goes squad in there. Receiver. No, no, no. Receiver. Practice squad receiver. receiver. He goes, he goes in there Sunday. He snap as quarterback since 2017. Nope. nope. Now, the, the, the kid played at Wake Forest. He played ACC football, threw for like 1,500 yards. He wasn't nothing, right? Like, I want to I respect the athlete here. He had three or four hours, according to Vic Fangio, head coach of the Broncos, to learn anything. And he went out there and threw one completion to no one's surprise. Because well, he probably only knew six plays in the offense. <laughs> Philip Lindsay couldn't carry the roster, you know, incredibly, as a wildcat. But it's so obvious. Like, under what circumstances would they do that to the, to the, to the Steelers, Arash? Think about it. Do you think the National Football League would ever look at Ben Roethlisberger in that franchise and say Roethlisberger oh, and three other quarterbacks oh, are sitting? Sit. So hold on. They, they wouldn't do it. We don't know the whole story. We don't know the whole story. I'm with you on Denver, except there's one other element to this. New Orleans. The Saints are in the middle of a run for the, for the number one seed in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Look, when that line came out, 13 and a half, um, buddy of mine and I just started texting right away. We're like, okay, what's the max bet here? <laughs> like how much they don't have a quarterback in the National Football League playing arguably the best team in the league with that defense, with Davenport and Jordan and, shout out David Onyemata, and the rest of them. You're gift-wrapping a win for a team that's, that's, that's in the midst of the, of the one seed. This is what I don't understand about all this, Sid. I don't understand a lot. No, I gotta if be you're honest the NFL... With if you're the NFL, if not for 9-11, you never would have had a Super Bowl played in February. Correct. It took the tragedy in New York for everything to get delayed and kicked down the road. And so that's why the Super Bowl almost 20 years ago was played in February. And suddenly the NFL is like, wait a minute. We have now extended our schedule into another month of the season. Why wouldn't the NFL, especially now... When they can, they they have nothing but canvas to say. All right, there's a lot of runway on the back end of the season. I hear you. I I hear exactly what let's, you're saying. Let's dominate yeah. the calendar some more. Let other. They're not going up against Christmas Day. We just saw a triple header announced on Boxing Day. Three three games with playoff implications on Boxing Day. Why not delay the playoffs some more? Why not Why not extend the Super Bowl another week or two? Or three down the road. What the NFL ultimately has wanted is to delay the Super Bowl two weeks, uh, a week or two, depending on how the calendar goes, because they want to go up against President's Day weekend. They want the game to be on Sunday so that Monday is a national holiday. They want to turn the Super Bowl into a long weekend. Here's your chance. But they just seem hell-bent on not doing it. Uh, but their hand may be forced into making that happen, whether they like it or not. They, but there are there are other elements to the Super Bowl. Look, they, there was a report last week. The NFL, if they want, and for those just just joining us right now, Adam Schefter of ESPN is reporting Steelers Ravens tomorrow night has been moved to Wednesday night. Nothing official yet. Uh, Ravens have over twenty players on the COVID list. Either they have it or they've been exposed to it. Ravens have four, including James Conner, and that's not nothing. That's their lead back. 
most weeks. Um, but February, so I, I agree with you, Arash. Why not just move it? Do you think their halftime act of the weekend is just going to hang around? He's not going to the Grammys for this, and they didn't nominate him for anything. Like, that's one example of a bunch of things about February 7th that really matter if you want to put on that level of show, if you want to draw that level of eyeball. And I know it seems frivolous to what's going on, and it all is, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you to that punch. I'm with you. But business-wise, they, they have to do February 7th. This is not some frivolous date. There are business contracts to this, entertainment contracts to this that matter and that aren't cheap and that have to get done. Never mind the fact you're in the middle of a negotiation with your TV rights and your digital rights, and you don't want to look Mickey Mouse. And the ship may have sailed on that for all we know. Look, you want Mickey Mouse? So, hold on, hold on. They're asking on. the Pittsburgh Steelers to play Wednesday, then play Sunday. They're asking Pittsburgh to turn around in three days Correct. and play the Washington Football Club on Sunday. Mickey Mouse is out the door in 2020 slash 2021. Look, you have a you have a built-in excuse, a built-in reason, the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. You, you're not married to any of those dates, Sid. That can all change. We had an NBA champion crowned in what month of the year? The Stanley Cup final was played in front of I how forget. many fans? Yeah. Right. Uh, I think it was all October. Of the, right. All of this is because of COVID, we had to move the Super Bowl where we want it to be, ultimately. Um, I, I, just, I just wonder if the long-term play of the NFL, I would not be shocked if the Super Bowl is delayed a week or two. Because this is the NFL's ch- chance to do exactly what it wants. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think they're not going to have a choice. What you're seeing now is, and I think you agree with me, a ridiculously obvious half-handed effort to make sure they get in that February 7th Super Bowl on February 7th. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, the NFL was always going to be in the worst spot because, all right, in baseball, the Marlins play 52 games and the Jays play 60. For- Does anyone really care? Now, if you miss the playoffs by a game, you might care over, you know, over Miami. But do you really care? Every game in this league is everything. When you are in a playoff chase, when you are the Steelers in 10 and 0, and the 10 and 1 Chiefs are behind you, like this, and, and the Ravens are right there, right off the pace for that last wild card spot, the seventh seed in the AFC. This all matters. Meanwhile, yesterday, you let the Saints go out there against nobody at quarterback, and if they win the number one seed in the NFC by a game over Green Bay or Seattle or whoever, there is nothing but an asterisk on this. Nothing. You can't say that for the NBA. You can't say that for the NHL. You can't say that even for Major League Baseball. But every game in this league means this much. And the NFL a while ago said, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the San Francisco but 49ers the NFL has just no got plans. Said the NFL. Well, that's just what said, I'm saying. Let's go. Yeah, that's what go. I'm saying. That's one of this league is now really on the cusp. If they don't get this one right, because these teams matter. Yes. If they don't get this one right, the whole thing is a dog and pony show. To the point where I don't know if I'll watch. I know what yes, I just said. Yes, no, I won't. Yes, you will. Because we'll have thing, nothing else to watch, and we'll have something to talk about the next day. NBA will be back. If the NFL keeps this going where the Saints get a free win like that, like, don't tell me competitive balance matters in this anymore. It doesn't. Because no one can tell me exactly how that got in the Ravens' room 
or exactly how James Conner got it, who is susceptible to this and has a history, obviously, as a cancer survivor. So we worry about James Conner. We worry about all of them. But don't give me the competitive balance because I'm seeing a lot of that on Twitter right now. Well, they just care for Pittsburgh to win. Well, they just care for Ravens to win, right? No, right now, everyone is in the back seat watching New Orleans get the free victory. And it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense how you're going to try and put, kick this can down the road this week between the Ravens and Steelers and let Denver go out there yesterday and get embarrassed in every sense of the word against Taysom Hill, who sucks. Yeah, He has no arm. He is Tebow worse. He can run. Congratulations. I can run if pressed. Let okay? me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If Drew Brees is healthy yesterday, what's the final score? If Drew Brees is <laughs> if Drew Brees is healthy, if Drew Brees is healthy yesterday. I mean, he's pulled at halftime because they're up. Four. It's a it's an Alabama uh, like second week of the season score by halftime. Prairie U A N M. Whatever. One of, the, one of those deals. Yeah, one of those right. deals. Louisiana State. Like one of those. Um, well, that's LSU. But like one of the, like Northeastern Louisiana, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but, Julian Edelman has COVID now, by the way. Has COVID or on the COVID list? I saw that. I COVID saw COVID list. list. So COVID we're not, because we, we have to, we have to make it. Yeah, we, it's, it's, it's an easy mistake to make, but we need to differentiate. Yeah. Um, I just, if I'm, if I'm the Ravens right now, the thing, the thing that everyone's worried about here is, do the Ravens just not play the game? Because I, I read not that long ago, Tim, um, Tim. Arash, forgive me, you have more hair. I, I read not that long ago, Arash, if the game isn't played for whatever reason, even by forfeit, no one on either side is getting a game check. Nobody. That's right. I don't know if everyone knows that. I'm sure they do. I hope they do. Because if you just walk from it, if you're comfortable enough to walk from a game check, that's fine. Not everyone's in that boat necessarily. So that's going to be, because that could also rip a, dr- a clubhouse, a dressing room in two. If you have certain guys who are like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make that trip. And you have other dudes, the 52nd guy on the roster saying, I think, I, I think I'd like to make that trip. It's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. NFL doesn't One, know what they're doing. A couple of things on Kendall Hinton. You mentioned Wake Forest. Uh, he was going to his redshirt junior season at Wake. Uh, He was projected to be the starting quarterback, but then he was suspended for the first three games of that season for violating team rules. By the time he came back, he lost his job, the quarterback job, to a true freshman. He has a LinkedIn profile where he has another business because he's on a practice roster making a few grand a week, and he is literally week to week. The idea that Kendall Kendall Hinton was a starting quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It is, amazing. It is uh, David Ayers. Was that his name? The Carolina? Yeah, David Ayers. Well, David, Zam- David, David Ayers was a happy ending. Right. But <laughs> David Ayers didn't go one for nine. The, he, he won. It's as improbable as that. The Zamboni driver. That That's yeah, what that was yesterday. Except he... Ha- except he... Kendall Hilton hasn't thrown a ball in three years. At least Ayers was the was the practice goalie for the Leafs. So we at got, least he and he got three hours of practice. <sighs> he got three hours of practice with his team. Um, a couple of things before we break here, Arash. I I I, I started to get to it. I think it's worth repeating. Um, the San Francisco 49ers along these lines do not have a home now. 
the county of Santa Clara in California has basically said there is no practices of any kind or games of any kind that requires any physical contact of any kind for three weeks to combat the virus. Yep. And Kyle Shanahan and the Niners were pretty pissed off Saturday saying, well, you know, we'd like a say in this. Well, Kyle, shut up. I'm sure you'd like a say in being up 28-3-2 in a Super Bowl. Just stay in your lane. All right? Let, <laughs> let the doctors take care of it. And you go play football somewhere else. So it was announced today the Niners are going to play home games the next two weeks against Buffalo and Washington in Arizona. So the Cardinals have, I'm sure there's some financial compensation here as well, but the practices and the games for the next few weeks for the Niners, who are also in the race, for a playoff spot in the NFC will be in Arizona. Um, Arash, before we go, I want to play the Vic Fangio from yesterday because we're all, we're all looking for who to blame here. Like, we're looking at teams. We're looking at the league. We're looking at local counties. We're look, like, everyone's got a theory as to who's at fault. And, again, I want to reiterate with, with the Denver Broncos story. Jeff Driscoll tested positive, a quarterback for them, for COVID, and their three other quarterbacks were in a meeting with him earlier in the week. No one was wearing a mask. That's what led to Sunday. I was hoping for John Elway to play. Didn't happen. We were close. If, does John Elway complete more than a pass if he suits up for the Broncos yesterday? Right now? At, at yes. this age, Arash? Yes. More than one no pass, question. right? Of course. Absolutely. Hall of Famer. Got the Vic, Fan, Vic Fangio uh, was asked after the game his thoughts. And he went in a very, I think it's an obvious direction, but it's not as... Obvious as you might think. Roll it, guys. I was disappointed um, on a couple levels in that that our quarterbacks put us in this position, that it put, our quarterbacks put the league in that position. You know, there's there we count on them to be the leaders of the team and you know leaders of the offense, and uh, those guys made a mistake, and that that is disappointing. You can blame anyone you want. And take a look at college football and what's going on there. You can blame anyone you want. If you're not careful and you really want to get the games in, you might not get the games in. That's it. And as much as I don't like kind of what's happening now with the NFL, there, is a, there was a small part of me, rash yesterday, giggling. That there were actual repercussions for being stupid. I like you that. mean there can be consequences to your actions? It's a, it's a crazy thing, Arash. Yeah. It's an amazing thing in 2020 how sometimes there are consequences for this. No, now, I don't want to... Mama's always right. Mama's always right. to your actions, yeah. Now, I don't want to start spiking footballs here because I can get it next week. We all could. So I'm, I, we all could. So I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is sometimes who's to blame is an easier, easier question to answer than you think. We are going to step aside. Rich Gannon will join us. He was in Buffalo yesterday. He eviscerated Anthony Lynn. I don't know how much of the Bills game you caught, Arash. I have rarely heard Rich Gannon on open air go after a team's clock strategy, their time management, the way he did on CBS yesterday. We'll get into that and obviously everything else going on with the Ravens and the Steelers. Shai Davidi will join us. He mentioned in a column over the weekend that the Jays are past the talking stage with George Springer, free agent. Mm. What does that mean? We'll ask Shy. Also, did Jake Paul overshadow Mike Tyson over the weekend? A historic moment for women's sports in college football over the weekend. And we have video of a man literally cheating death. It is a unique show. Arash Madani's with us. We're happy to have him. Timmy's on vacation. Enjoy the vacay. I'm Sid Sixero. This is Tim and Sid. We are live on TV and radio. Happy Monday. 
Welcome back to Tim and Sid. He's Arash Madani. I'm Sid Sixera McAuliffe. Off this week, uh, Madani tweets are flying in. Jordan Rocca at Tim and Sid. Respect to Kendall Hinton. At least he resembled respectability for the position and didn't end up looking like Nate Robinson. It's tough. We'll get to, we'll get to the Nate Robinson in a second momentarily. Uh, Michael at Tim and Sid. Madani dropping some truth bombs on Tim and Sid right now. He loves it. And Gio Gianuzzi at Tim and Sid writes, Time to ask a rash about Kirk. Hashtag Skoll. One of the great Twitter traditions in Canadian sports, dare I say, Canadian society. Is society. one Arash Madani, I'm going to go society, is one Arash Madani hating on Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins' rain or shine? Madani, coming off a win, are you willing to give Kirk, as you wear a Vikings sweater, because you're obviously a huge fan, are you willing to give Kirk Cousins some love? Can you do that live on air right now? Of course not. Are you out of your mind? Four and seven Carolina Panthers. The the, the Vikings are five and six. They started one and five. He put together a nice drive at the end after what? Why can't you say something nice about I don't understand. I just don't understand. You're in the playoff hunt. Dalvin Cook's played half the year. Like he's just he's they've missed some guys. Adam Thielen didn't play yesterday. He's on the cover. They've missed people. Can you give him any credit? Any? For what? Okay, this, uh, this is not going anywhere. Yeah. You are not budging. <laughs> no. From Ma- Mount No Cousins Love. Um, all right, let's. So we're gonna get back to the NFL story momentarily here with Rich Gannon of CBS Sports, former NFL MVP. But we got it was a busy weekend. It normally is, but this was a this was kind of a wild one. Let's um, let's start with little Tyson Roy Jones Jr. Rash. It was quite a spectacle Saturday at the Staples Center in L.A. Fifty-four-year-old Mike Tyson against 51-year-old Roy Jones Jr. Eight-round exhibition ended in a draw. Tyson clearly beat him. Ahead of the fight, um, Jake Paul takes out Nate Robinson, former nba and three-time dunk champion, knocks him out in round two. Did you catch any of this? Were you surprised at how much you watched if you caught it? Where, where were you? Were you on the periphery? Like, where, what's, what's your take on what happened here Saturday? I... I woke up to the Nate Robinson stuff, and I thought to myself, there is going to be an entire YouTube TikTok generation who will have no idea who Nate Robinson was other than the fact that he got his butt whooped. Like, they'll have no idea about his next career. They'll have no idea about his basketball. They will think Nate Robinson was just this. They will think he was Barry Horowitz, uh, you know, in a house show. (laughs) A jobber. (laughs) Right. No clue who and what Nate Robinson was all about. Um, and it got me thinking, though, Sid. Uh, Iron Mike's 54, Roy Jones Jr.'s 51. Is this the state of boxing? That the last two fights that that morphed into the public arena, it's the mainstream fight. The last two mainstream fights were Mayweather-McGregor, And now this, the last two big fights that got everybody's attention outside of the outside of boxing circles that got that got people who know nothing about boxing together involved an MMA fighter for a cash grab for an undefeated boxer. And then this two dudes in their 50s doing whatever it was. Don't forget the YouTuber against the dunk champion. Don't forget that. And the also YouTuber a big part against of the, the dunk yes. champion, which got Evander Kane's 
Got, got him all fired up wanting to get into the ring. I got the tweet. Too. I got the tweet of Vander King because Jake Paul does this. I don't know much about Jake Paul, but I know everyone hates his ass. Mm. And a lot of athletes were not happy to see Nate Robinson kind of fed to some wolves there because I, th- I don't think Nate was told this guy might be a bit better than you think. And also, Nate wasn't really defending himself. I'll leave, the, I'll leave that type of analysis to Stephen Brunt, but it just didn't seem like his defense, putting the, putting the hands up, wasn't where they should have been. Anyway, athletes across social media either defended Nate Robinson and wished him well or called out Jake Paul either in anger or looking for some type of financial gain. This was the Evander Kane tweet. Yo, Jake Paul, I'd wreck you. Easy to beat up guys with no experience and much smaller. August 31st, 2021, Vegas. We can see if you really about that action. I didn't know that was an open date, but apparently Evander knew. Robin Leonard was doing the same thing. There were well, athletes Evander's all over social media. Evander's actually a boxing media. guy. Evander You're right. actually works yeah, out in the boxing. Family. This, Correct. this is, this is his family. thing. Yeah. Um, I remember years ago when he was still with Winnipeg and Claude Noel, was that his name? He was the coach of the Jets. Anyway, I went out to Winnipeg to do a feature with Evander and it started and throughout it was Evander into the camera boxing. And we had black gloves and he signed in a, in a gold pen. I, I take Evander Kane in a, in a knockout here. I mean, I waiting for that answer. There it is. Um, there it is. I think Evander Kane would be legit in the ring, especially with a little bit of uh, a little bit oh, more I training. I don't doubt any of that, but I, I got I got to go back to what you said though about the sport. Like, what right. is where are we with becoming it? here? Like, it's like Canelo Alvarez wants to leave the zone. Yeah, that's one of the most lucrative contracts in the history of professional sports. And after about three or four fights, he was during the pandemic. The zone is asking him for money back, and he's a no, 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 no. Canelo doesn't do that. Like, these are the draws now? This is what's... Dana White's been having fights almost every weekend. Mm-hmm. Whether you're on Fight Island or at the Apex Center in Vegas. And everyone ripped all over Dana White for that. How many, how many boxing fans have become MMA guys or, or women watching as much MMA as they have over the last how many months? Betting on it over the last how many months? Learning about it over the last how many months? And MMA is that weird sport where when there's a crowd not around, you might learn more about the sport. Let me you ask might you hear this. more things. How many new boxing fans are there? That's since, the Yes, yeah, since, the since uh, De La Hoya, since Roy Jones Jr., who's been, who's been the boxer? Okay, Mayweather Pacquiao, sure. But like, who's really moved the needle? Who are you a fan of? And, and, and I understand boxing has forever been a spectacle more than anything else, especially in the last 30 years. But go find a, go find a 20-something-year-old and ask them to name three boxers. Yeah. Can they do it? Sports fan. College student. Can they do it? Uh, I that that was the alarming thing to me that came out of Saturday night is the only way you're going to get people's attention right now is if you turn it into a gimmick or a sideshow. And I know boxing has returned to ESPN. They're trying to do something with it again. That's when the you know, that's when part of the heyday was with it. I, I just don't know where boxing is as a sport right now. And if you want to go back to Mayweather, let's let's remember how Mayweather became that popular. He wasn't knocking dudes out like Tyson. 
Floyd Mayweather's phenomenon became that because of what that record grew into. Mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather is technically almost perfect, but that doesn't sell. His record is what's sold. The money Mayweather persona sold. He got in there. He was a tactician. You couldn't hit him. Last 20 seconds. Combination. He wins a round. That's Floyd. All the, all That's the hype how he for the McGregor fight was hype. The fight yep. was garbage. Well, it was Floyd always just garbage. danced around, waited for McGregor to get tired, and that was it. Um, they called it it. it. it was a weird. It was a weird thing over the weekend. It did. It did. It did shine a light on where boxing is, and the tough place, Arash. I'm with you. That boxing is right now. But as a guy who grew up watching Tyson, there were those moments where he'd faint and come in with the right, where he mm-hmm. it he still had some speed. Like he still, there were moments where. I was taken very briefly. I was taken back to my youth, and I thought to myself, "I miss that guy. I miss that competitor. I miss that guy in the ring." And that's what I enjoyed uh, a lot Saturday. It took it took me back a little bit because Did Mike you took see it the seriously. Side show? Did you see the side show on Thanksgiving night with the cake? The Are you side show with, with the this? cake? No. So. On Thursday, Thanksgiving, Mike, uh, there's a video that's circulating. Mike's there with his kids and the family, and, and a cake comes out, and it's and it's it's Roy Jones Jr. on the cake. Somebody had made this specialty cake with Roy Jones Jr.'s face that's on nice. it. Mike's cutting it up, and he's handing it to the kids and the family. And then he takes a big slice of Roy Jones Jr.'s ear. There it is. And he takes a taste of it, and he says, <laughs> hmm. Tastes better than Evander's. How did I miss this? That's so good. That's better than anything I saw Saturday night. Right. That's very entertaining. Very, very entertaining. entertaining. By the, and by the way, Nate, um, the same along, along the lines of Kendall Hinton yesterday for the Broncos. Nate Robinson doesn't do this. This is not his thing, obviously. But that took balls to walk into the ring and do with a lot of eyes on you. Mm-hmm. Right? They sold some pay-per-views, Arash. Here's the reality. I don't know how many. But Roy Jones Jr. is getting a million dollars, and Tyson made way more than that. They're not saying. But it's not like they got no eyes Saturday. They got a ton. And to be laid out the way Nate, three-time dunk champion Nate Robinson was was tough. It was tough to see. This is not his bag. And it took balls to step in there. And I just – and the guy's bigger, and it's just – you know, it wasn't a fair fight in a lot of ways. But I just wanted to give him some love because he's, he's become a meme forever. And I wanted to give him a, a, a little bit of – a little bit of respect. Final thoughts on this before we move on, Arash? It was bizarre. It was as bizarre an event as I've seen in 2020, and I kind of liked it more than I thought I'd like it. And what's the next one going to be? Uh, <sighs> good question. Good question. Yeah. Um, let's, let's move on here. History, history was made, Arash, in college football over the weekend. One of the few college football games to be played due to COVID reasons. But uh, Sarah Fuller became the first woman to play in a Power 5 conference game suiting up for Vanderbilt. In their game against Missouri, Fuller, who plays on the varsity women's soccer team, kicked off to open the second half. After She didn't kick again because Vanderbilt sucks as a team. That was her only yes. kick. But after the game, she talked about what motivated her to take on this challenge. Roll it. Honestly, it's just so exciting. And the fact that I can represent like the little girls out there who wanted to do this or, you know, thought about playing football or any sport really and it encourages them to be able to step out and do something big like this so it's awesome. I just want to tell like all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to like you really can and if you have that mentality all the way through like you can do big things. This kind of snuck up on a lot of people 
because it was a late call to have her in. And um, I, I got to say, I mean, I, was, I found myself really watching uh, Missouri Vandy for the first time in a long while, Arash. Did you catch any of this Saturday? What do you, what do you think it means? Well, I've watched bits and pieces. I went over there. I saw the score just get larger and larger. Yeah. You're just waiting for a field goal or something. But Vandy's just uh, horrible. Bad. I, I, Fired their coach yesterday, by the way, Vandy. Fired their coach. Do they really? Derek Mason, the former uh, Tennessee Titans oh, receiver. Oh, and eight. He's gone. He's gone. But he was going to change the culture. Um, it's, it's exactly what she said. It's exactly what Fuller said that now... The path is somebody has set the path. Somebody has opened the door. It's not going to be a novelty anymore. It's not going to be a thing anymore. Okay, well, someone's done it. Somebody else can now do it. I remember a couple of summers ago, Sid, uh, Carly Lloyd from the U.S. women's national team, uh, after they won the World Cup, you know, she had said, I'd love to kick in an NFL game, and she was on with Dan Patrick, and Morton Anderson actually called in. And so the three of them, he would just happen to be listening and he has a relationship with Patrick and they're having this conversation. And, you know, she said, well, okay, you're a Hall of Fame kicker. What should I do? And he said, well, the most important thing that you want to do first is when you're out there on the field, go get pads. Start getting used to kicking with pads on. Then start getting used to kicking with football pants on because what you're doing by yourself on the field does not even replicate. And suddenly there was like this education for her of what this is going to be. And now what Sarah Fuller has done is she has taken this to a completely to another level. And so the next time that maybe a power five school, maybe a mid-major school, if their kicker goes down, if the puncher can't do it, etc., Maybe the coach of that football team will look also down the road and say, down the hall and say, well, let's go talk to the women's soccer coach. And let's also talk to the men's soccer coach. And let's just make this an open Different competition way of for, yeah. for everybody. Way of uh, let's make this merit-based. And I think, hey, Derek Mason couldn't win a game, but maybe that's his lasting legacy there at Vandy. Uh, uh, other notes that we should bring up in this moment, Arash. Kaylee Brownson was the tight ends coach for the Cleveland Browns yesterday, first woman to be a position coach during an NFL game. Uh, And Stephanie Fraport is a French referee who will become the first woman to be the lead ref in a men's Champions League game on Wednesday when Dinamo Kiev take on Juventus. So Mm -hmm. some some firsts all around this weekend and this week, and it is good to see. We're going to take another break. Again, the Formula One story... And the footage you have to see to believe next. Here on Tim Sid and Arash. We're on TV and radio. It's fun. Welcome back to Tim and Sid. So it's Xero, Arash Madani, Tim McAuliffe is off. He will be back next week. Scary scene at the F1 Bahrain Grand Prix yesterday. French driver Romain Grosjean was involved in a horrific crash. And we, we say horrific a lot. Sometimes we overuse it. This was horrific. His car was split in half, burst into flames miraculously. He escaped with minor injuries, was treated at hospital overnight for burns on the back of his hands, and that's it. Uh, Grosjean eventually posted this message on social media crediting the Halo safety device, something he's hated in the past for actually saving his life. Roll it. Lucky man. Hello, everyone. 
Um, just wanted to say I am okay. Uh, well, sort of okay. Thank you very much for all the messages. Uh, I mean, I wasn't for the Halo some years ago, but I think it's the greatest thing that was both for Formula One, and without it, I wouldn't be able to speak to you today. So. Thanks, thanks to all the medical staff at the circuit, at the hospital, and uh, hopefully I can write you quite soon some messages and tell you where it's going. Wow. Wow. Ar- Arash, that, that's got to be the 50th time I've seen that video, that viz, that, that, that scene of, of a human being walking out of or climbing out of a fireball after so having gone. Casually and since, so casual. Just, yeah, just so just, casual. You know, I mean, I, what was your first reaction to that? Because I woke up to that. Because, listen, F1, we don't, and sometimes people complain we don't talk enough F1. I, I don't disagree with that, but there's a lot going on here. We can't hit on everything because Formula One right now, is, as much as I love Formula One, it's like, what are we going to talk? Okay, Lewis Hamilton won again. Where's Max Verstappen? Did Red Bull compete? Okay. That feels like that's like, where's Lance Stroll? Like, where, like, what are the stories here in terms of what people, like the mainstream want to know? I'm not really sure. Because Lewis Hamilton dominates, and it's kind of a one-sided thing. But when you see something like this, and Arash, you're right, the calmness of it, the calmness of having your life in danger that way, does this not speak to the, the technical advancements that have happened here, generally, of these cars? Like this 20 years ago, you know how it, it would end. It's incredible. Well, when you asked what my initial reaction was, and, and obviously the crashes aren't the same, I immediately thought Greg Moore. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that thing just exploded into a fireball, and you're saying to yourself, hey. yeah, I mean, it, it just it resembled a plane crash, Sid. Um, but also, part of that calmness, what, what is the heart rate of an F1 driver going at those speeds? Because that's part of it. There was no panic in him leaving that vehicle and even in the video, he was, you know, kind of joking around about my hands being that way. Uh, the the progress, the technological advancements. So all these guys saying, well, this is going to slow us down and this is awkward and I don't like it. He's the first to say, hey, that halo saved my life and I was wrong. Because let's this. remember, there's two things here, right? His car split in half. Mm-hmm. That alone, I'm no, I'm no auto mechanic. No? See, seems like it's dangerous. Yes, I know. Shockingly. Yes. Shockingly to your rash. Seems kind of dangerous. And then... Engineer? Then the f- You're not an engineer? I'm not an engineer. Zero? Yet. There's still time. Yet. There's DeVry in my future. There's still time. Um, but the fact that he... That halo around the top of all the driver's helmets that they hate. Because mm-hmm. it impeded their vision. Like, let's be like... No one likes change, especially at that level. If you're going 200 kilometers an hour, you want to feel comfortable. You don't want something yep. else in your way. But if you look, if you look closely at the pictures of that, that halo that protected his helmet went right through the guardrail. So picture what happens if it's not there. Right? I, like, I, I would prefer not picture to. that. No, I neither don't would that. I. But that's what this is. And I don't. And, and the other, the last thing for me, Arash, is how on earth if you're Lewis Hamilton and these other drivers back in the garages watching this hour delay play out, knowing full well. How he just escaped death, mm-hmm. literally. How do you then? How do you then get back in the? This is this is the wonder of auto racing to me. That I'll never, I'll never have those type of balls, that type of courage, to see stuff like that, to lose friends over the years, literally lose friends, 
and say, you know what? I'm not quitting. I'm going back in. An hour later in this case in Bahrain, I'm going back in. It's just an incredible mentality, Rush. Incredible. Yeah. And we've interviewed James Hinchcliffe over the years, Sid, and he had a near-death experience himself. And he said, I just don't think about it anymore. It's about going out there to compete. It, it, it reminds me of football guys, right? They're there taking a knee. One of their, one of their favorites is ambulance stuff. You don't know if he's going to walk again. Right. And two minutes later, you're going to go do the exact same thing that got him into the ambulance. Good point. Good point. All right, coming up, Rich Gannon, Shai Davidi. We have some potential news of the Ravens and Steelers. Maybe Monday. Maybe pushing it to Monday. And all hockey games in the QMJHL have been paused due to the virus. So there's some things going on. Welcome to Tim and Sid. He's a rash. I'm Sid. Back after this. Time for Tim and Sid. 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 It's time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. It's a busy Monday. We knew it would be, but business is picking up. Uh, the tweets are coming in as Arash Madani has been kind enough to join us. He'll be here all week. Um, at Tim and Sid, Kristen tweets in, looking slim as F tonight, Madani. Madani looking good. <laughs> Madani and I have our... Uh, have our uh, pandemic uh, weight loss down. How many have you dropped, Madani? Where are you at? I think I'm at about 20 pounds, I think. Yeah. I think. I'd more you? to lose, so. <laughs> that's, that's well, I didn't want to say that, but you look fantastic. You look amazing. I appreciate it. Um, in terms of the auto racing conversation uh, about Romain Grosjean, what happened to him in Bahrain yesterday during the F1 race, the opening lap, uh, we got a tweet from a a racing fan, Jimmy Johnson and some other NASCAR drivers actually wore heart rate monitors this season. Jimmy's heart rate averaged between 130 and 150 beats per minute for three straight hours. Amazing. So take that, and those F1 cars are going, I mean, an, another, like, fast, much faster than that. So picture that over 57 laps. It's just crazy. And Arash Madani dropped a Barry Horowitz reference earlier in the show, which is always welcome here. Any old-school wrestling reference is gold. Troy Flintoff at Tim and Sid Arash dropping the Barry Horowitz reference. Love it. Hashtag WWE. So uh, Arash Madani here all week again. We got news left and right here. Let's, uh, let's start with the big one. Look, Nick, Nick Robertson today was, was Leafs prospect. Nick Robertson was added to the U.S. Uh, camp for the upcoming World Juniors, if they actually happen. That is what now constitutes as hockey news. There is nothing going on. The, we have nothing. We have no word from where the NHL and the PAR. With yeah, all, we have one on. actually new piece of news. Go ahead. The, I'll take the it. The Q has shut down. The Quebec Major Junior Hockey right. League has paused from tomorrow until the 3rd of January. Now, part of that presumably is a World Junior thing if it happens, but also it just seems, Sid, every week, we're getting a new team shutting down activities. Correct. But I hear what you're saying on the pro side of things. Yeah, that, I mean, that is not insignificant, obviously. Um, the queue, like parts of the queue, we're still trying to push through here, and it's obviously not going to work considering that uh, the numbers aren't really going in, any lower. So that's the latest from the QMJHL. But we're not, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're not seeing anything from the, I mentioned to Arash earlier today, this was, this was a story buried Saturday. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was interesting because of timing. So Michael Raffle of the Philadelphia Flyers, Austrian. What I, what I, 
hope to have seen right now are players coming back from Europe. Okay? The story is the Flyers have lent Raffle to an Austrian team. So he's That's leaving right. North America. Mm-hmm. This, so this January 1st date ain't happening. NBA training camps open tomorrow. They're going December 22nd. There is no way the National Hockey League are starting January 1st. They know that. I think, I think behind the scenes they're fine with 48 games. They've done it before for other reasons, but they've done it before. There's you're, like late January, early February. You don't have much more room than that, especially if you want to avoid the Olympics. But uh, there's no chance January 1st is still on the table. When you're hearing players being loaned out still, like this was a story three, four weeks ago, like around the draft. But you're hearing it now, Arash. Is that not a, a clue, a little clue as to where we might be at right now between the league and the PA? Oh, I think it's just very evident that it's not happening anytime soon. Look, I think back to what Rob Manfred said when baseball returned. He said, we were never playing more than 60 games. He slipped that out in a, in a radio interview. And I have to think that, look, the NBA wanted to play because their broadcast deal is more lucrative in the United States than the NHL deal is. The NHL deal is $200 million a year. The NBA's is so much more significant than that. So there has to be a number that the owners are comfortable with, Sid. They know that they have to be done by the middle of July. They have plenty of time. If this means the season is going to start in late January, then so be it. Matter of fact, for business, if I'm NBC, I probably wouldn't mind the season starting later because then I'm not running into that whole NFL playoff and Super Bowl juggernaut. But I, I I was in touch with a member of an NHL front office on the weekend, and he's been around pro hockey for a long time, and he said for the first time, I think the owners have miscalculated here on trying to go back on the CBA that they just signed a few months ago. That they that 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 this is this was a real miscalculation on all of this. And it's just so hard to every NHL owner is coming at it from such a different perspective. The NFL owners are all in the same boat. They're still they're all getting that two hundred ninety six million dollar check each one of them. The NBA owners are getting that broadcast revenue, and so many NHL owners have such a the, the disparity between markets and the NHL is so different, just like it is in baseball. And it's just so hard to know where each of those owners is coming from, but but to me this is. That you're right. That raffle thing is the canary in the coal mine that don't expect the NHL to be back in early January. At this point, you have to think it's going to be sometime late that month at the earliest. Yeah, stay tuned on that. I, I think as you and I sit here throughout the week, we'll 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 see things trickle across our desk from the quality insiders that exist in that sport, the many. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just weird to be sitting here on November 30th and it's crickets. It's absolute crickets publicly. Like tomorrow's and December first. Training camps, the NBA start. They start tomorrow. It's crazy. We don't know anything yeah. of where hockey stands. Stay tuned. Rash and I will be here all week. We still don't really know where the Ravens and Steelers stand. We believe it's been moved to Wednesday night. 
according to Adam Schefter, for now. Which would mean, I want to correct something I said earlier, which means that there are also reports, Albert Breer is reporting, that the Washington football team Steelers game would then be moved from Sunday to Monday, is what he's hearing. So there's a lot of that going on, nothing official. And we still have to complete Week 12. But Week 12 already has been very entertaining. Rich Gannon mm-hmm. joins us in the second. For those who have missed out on Week 12, here's your weekly recap here on Tim and Seth. I mean, just consider what's at stake for the Buffalo Bills. They have themselves atop the division with a chance to win the division for the first time in 25 years. The flip for Double Beasley. Pass. Beasley, touchdown! Gabriel Davis on the receiving end. A terrific throw by Cole Beasley. Henry just gets better as the season goes on. Henry weaves through. Henry is in again. King Henry has three. Crown him. You want to talk about drama. The butterflies in that kid's stomach right now. Kendall Hinton being thrust into the starting quarterback role. Oh, bad snap. Lindsey saves it. That ball's still loose, and the Saints have it. Taysom Hill rumbling in for another one. Two rushing touchdowns. Here is Rodgers with time. End zone shot. Adams. Touchdown, Green Bay. Rodgers flips his hips, flips it downfield. Wide open. Tunyon. Touchdown, Packers. He just has such a feel for everything that's going on. He's got confidence in how he's handling things, and, and he's on fire right now. Oh, you want a deep ball? Here it is. Two. What a strike. Down the field. Who else? Hill at the 10. Cut back. Touchdown. Touchdown and a leap. Hill is over 200 yards in this opening quarter. Help is on the way. These two are as good as they get. They're just on another level right now. Plenty to talk about. Rich Gannon of CBS Sports. <clears throat> Forgive me, I'm getting choked up. I'm so emotional every time Rich Gannon enjoys us here, former NFL MVP. <laughs> or I'm just just not a very healthy person. Rich, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Rich was in Buffalo for the Chargers and the Bills yesterday. We'll get to a bit of that. But, Rich, I gotta, I, we, we got to start with Ravens-Steelers here, and it's, and it's changing by the minute. As someone who knows the ins and outs on a normal week of what it takes to prepare for one of these games, what's going through your mind right now watching this unfold? Well, players and coaches, guys, are creatures of habit. They get used to schedules. They get used to, you know, a routine that's very important to them as they get ready physically and mentally to prepare for a game. And and we always say that, you know, one constant in the NFL is change. It's it's a, it's a game and it's a business that changes all the time. But no one could have ever anticipated this. And especially for certain teams that have really been hit hard by – by the virus and not only that but some teams haven't even really been hit hard by the virus and yet their schedules have been interrupted because other teams that they're competing against so look this is hard you know the, the ravens came into their facility this morning they're supposed to have a walkthrough and that got that got you know it's just been a it's been a crazy crazy you know couple of days uh really in the season but just in a couple of days as you prepare and now we're finding out it's most likely going to be a wednesday game which is crazy, Rich, when you think about this game was supposed to have been played last Thursday, Thanksgiving, so six days later. And I'm just trying to understand how this game continues to get kicked down the road when yesterday afternoon, I guess I'm a masochist, I, I actually sat and for most of the four o'clock slot, I didn't watch Kansas City, Tampa Bay. I didn't watch Mahomes and Brady. I just you had to. Train to wreck. 
I wanted to watch the train wreck, Rich. How does that happen yesterday, but this thing just continues to get uh, to the snooze button hit on it? You know, it's amazing to think that you, you could take a player that was on the practice squad as a wide receiver and that in you know a moment's notice he would be pressed into duty as an NFL quarterback. I, I think that really tells you guys where we're at with this whole thing. And, and not only that, but, you know, a, a team and particularly a, a quarterback room that didn't follow the protocol and how that impacted, you know, the, the Denver Broncos' chances of even being competitive in that game. And that's unfortunate. You know, we're a league that prides ourselves in, in, in having, you know, competition, but also having uh, a level playing field. And, you know, some of these games, it's not, there's a reason, there's a reason why we have weight classes in boxing. You know, you wouldn't take a, uh, you know, a flyweight, have them box the heavyweight champion of the world. And, and in the NFL, we shouldn't have a situation where you've got a practice squad player asked to play a different position at this level. I mean, I've never, ever heard of something so bizarre. Rich Gannon, former NFL MVP, currently with CBS Sports here on Tim and Sid. Rich, so the Saints go atop the NFC with that layup of a victory. Do you not believe, to some extent, this season, just with that alone yesterday, has some form of asterisk on it? If they are a one or a two in the NFC playoffs, like how do we just look the other way? How does Green Bay and Seattle just look the other way on that, considering how important every single one of these games is? Well, guys, remember back to my rookie year in '87, we had the strike shortened season where we missed mm-hmm. games, and you know we, you know we were, I think the Vikings at the time. That's who I was playing with. Was the only team that lost all the replacement games and still wound up making the playoffs. We went to the NFC Championship game that year, and we wound up losing to the eventual Super Bowl champion. Um, Washington at the time, Redskins. But my point is, is that you know we've had these interrupted seasons in the past. At the end of the day, if we get we get through the regular season some way somehow, which it looks like we're going to, uh, when we get into the playoffs, I'm not suggesting that people are going to forget about this. But once we get into the playoffs and, and we crown a Super Bowl champion, I think they'll still have uh, that title. They'll still have that ring. They'll still have uh, the recognition of being the best in the league. And uh, even if it's been a, a season where there has been some real challenges and, and in fairness to the league uh, guys and the commissioner. And I mean, this is not easy. I mean, this is the, you know, you're dealing with the networks, you're dealing with players, things are changing constantly. This has been a very difficult season. And obviously when you're trying to get a season in during a pandemic, you're going to have obstacles. Rich, uh, some of us in this room, uh, remember that NFC title game, <laughs> Darren Nelson at the goal line, fourth and goal. Uh, Daryl Green. Some of us, some of us had friends you know, outside you know, who were gone. Crazy story. Yeah, so this is this is this is it in a nutshell. That that play, Wade Wilson was a quarterback. You're right. Darren sure was. Nelson was running an option route, and Anthony Carter was flanked wide to the left. And what his job was was to release outside of Daryl Green, release outside and get his back turned to the line of scrimmage. He releases inside. Daryl Green sees the, 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 the flat route coming out of the backfield against Darren Nelson, and he crashes on it. And that's really – you think about how you lose games. There's, you know, Anthony Carter was a Pro Bowl receiver. Sure. But just a simple mistake. I'm supposed to release outside. Instead, I release inside. I don't turn the, 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 the head and of the corner. He sees it coming, and a smart player and a Hall of Fame player like Daryl Green 
drove on it and broke it up. So, you know, I, I, I just remember that. I'm a rookie sitting on the sidelines watching, thinking to myself, this is my rookie year. I'm going to go to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, in like a moment's notice, it's all over. 33 years later, and he still, still remember. remembers that detail to just you know, go to the tee. Just dive into the film is. room here. Just dive right. into the film room with Rich Gannon. I, I, I could do this all day. Um, Rich, in terms of, like, let's remember what baseball did with their playoff bubble. They only decided on it when things got really hairy. They were, the, baseball was scared into their bubble. They didn't want to do it, but they did it. Are you, are you be, becoming close to believing a January playoff bubble for this league? Considering we don't know what the numbers are going to be post-Thanksgiving in the States, but we think we know. Do you think I a think January... Yeah, I mean... I think like, do you think that's I'm, a... hearing, I'm, I'm hearing the NCAA basketball tournament's going to be in a bubble in Indianapolis. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that you know there's a good chance that and we get to January, that there's going to be a playoff bubble for football. I think it makes sense, guys. I mean, why take the risk? Let's, let's, let's do everything we can to keep the players and, and coaches and, and officials and support people, everyone a part of the game as safe as possible. I know the league is really going out of the way. I, I just know for me to get into the stadium yesterday, what I had to get through to get into the stadium. I mean, temperature checks. We had to do the COVID test at the hotel on Friday. Uh, there's all this protocol. We have to, the announcers have to go in separate cars. There's partition. I mean, it's it's I mean, the league is doing everything within their means to try and keep everybody safe. Uh, but it's still uh, it's it's been a real challenge. Rich, let's talk football. Um, I eventually once uh, once the Saints Broncos debacle um, <laughs> unraveled beyond belief, I flipped it over to to Casey Tampa Bay. I'm watching that Buccaneers offense, and I'm saying to myself, okay, Tom's struggling. There's no question at the age of 43, Brady isn't what he was. But Bruce Arians needs to be running the football more. They had success on play action. Bucks are going into the bye at a pivotal point of the season, going into the month of December. What do you do to fix this offense now in your mind? If you really study it, you guys, and a lot of it has to do with the running game. And I, I heard Bruce Arians come out today and say that, you know, basically, hey, uh, we've got to run the ball more, and Ronald Jones has to get 20 carries a game. You know, he had nine carries yesterday for, you know, averaged over seven yards a carry. I mean, what am I missing here? Why you right. got a quarterback that's, you know, that's, that's like you said, he's, he's up there in years. Let's help him out. Let's do some of the things to take some of the burden off of Brady so he doesn't have to throw it 45 times every week. And that's, that's to me, it's coaching. I, I get the sense that Brady and Bruce Arians aren't necessarily on the same page. Uh, my sources tell me there's some real frustration on the part of Brady just in terms of how things are, are being run. And I'm not surprised. He came from a very structured, disciplined system of football in New England. All he had to do, guys, is come into the building and prepare. He didn't have to worry about guys showing up late, guys not knowing what to do, guy not running the right route. I mean, he, he that's that was all taken care of for him. I just think he's he's had to take more uh, I don't even say a leadership role because that's natural to him, but I think he's had to take more of a coaching role. And I think that can be frustrating when it doesn't come off the way you want. And and look, he's made some mistakes. I mean, he's he's not taken care of the football over the last month. He's put his team in some bad situations, but Something's just not right there. When you watch that team, the way they're playing right now, it's just—I mean, they—they—they they, they had no answers defensively. That's supposed to be a pretty good defense, coached by mm-hmm. Todd Bowles. I mean, yesterday that was 
that was embarrassing. I mean, yeah. Mahomes, I mean, guys, first player in NFL history with 30 or more completions and 300 more passing yards in four consecutive games. I mean, he's <laughs> he's making it look way too easy. And you look at, you know, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill, what he did in the first half of that game, I mean, it's just – these are professional players that are being paid a lot of money. That was a the, ba- bad, the backflip could have been better, Rich. The backflip on the second touchdown could have been better if you were going to pick on anything, right? right? Like yeah, I know we're nitpicking, just, but just, it was a perfect quarter up until then. <laughs> never a good thing when a when a player goes to the sidelines and and, and is say is calling in for backup help. I mean that right. was that was hysterical. <laughs> but I just uh, look you, you look at Mahomes and what he's done, guys, the month of November. The 4-0, he's averaging 400 yards a game passing. He's completing over 73% of his passes. He's thrown 14 touchdowns in a single pick. I mean, he and he and Aaron Rodgers are going to have a great battle the rest of the way for the league MVP. I mean, they're both having a ridiculous season. Who can beat Kansas City? You know, it's crazy. It's it's. Uh, I don't see anyone the rest of the way, the way they're playing. I mean, you know, Kelsey and, and Hill are one and two in terms of receiving yards. I mean... Edward Solaire is a terrific player. The offensive line's playing well. Uh, the defense, um, I would say, is a strength of theirs, but they can create some havoc. Or they've got enough playmakers that can rush the passer. And, and I just, I don't know. I just don't see it but with the way the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback is so good right now. I mean, he's the best player in our league, and he can overcome mistakes around them. You know, when the, when the defense gives up an explosive play, no big deal. We've got Mahomes. I mean, guys, I just this, – this is eerily similar to what happened last year with the Chiefs. They started out slow on defense the first eight or nine games, and then they kind of caught fire. Of course, Mahomes was consistent all year. But I just uh, – I look at – they're kind of peaking. And the best teams peak after Thanksgiving. The best teams get on a roll as you get into the month of December – and you get, you get yourself primed and ready for January football, and that ch- the Chiefs certainly look like one of those teams. Rich Gannon of CBS Sports, uh, great job on the Chargers' bills yesterday. Uh, and way to, way to kind of call out the Chargers for what they were time management-wise. I, 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 th- I did thoroughly enjoy that. I wasn't rooting against the Chargers. I have nothing against Anthony Lynn, but I like how you kind of called it the way it is yesterday. Just, as, bad as, as bad as I've seen. I mean, guys, I... I, I, I I know how hard it is to, to, to be in that position. It's, and, you know, you don't want to be criticized, but at some point, when you make those kind of mistakes, game management mistakes, time management, you know, just, just really, and it's not just one time. And this is an organization that has been doing it all season long. I'm, I'd be surprised if there aren't some changes out there in Los Angeles after this season. And it's, it's a shame because they have a talented roster and a really good young quarterback. There is a reason they have lost as many close games as they have. Uh, to echo the sentiment of one Rich Gannon many times over the last 24 hours. Rich, always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy uh, Steelers-Ravens whenever that happens, and we'll talk again next week. Talk to you guys. Take care. One and only Rich Gannon from CBS Sports. Rash, I mentioned I got nothing against Anthony Lynn. I do have something against Matt Patricia. Uh, Matt Patricia, yeah, I do. And we got the clip ready. I, I, I see things sometimes, interactions with the media. I know most fans don't care about interactions with the media. I do. And I saw something early in his tenure with the Detroit Lions that I will never forget. This is, this is a guy uh, who wears a pencil behind his ear, who looks like he's, he's been growing a beard for like eight years, very hermitish. And he called out someone over the most innocuous thing. This is, we're going back to early Matt Patricia with the Lions. Roll it. Why do you think this makes your franchise better? Um, well, you know, 
like, do me a favor, just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process. Every day you come in and ask me questions and you just kind of like, you know, give me this. But I mean, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just, I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally and I'll answer it for you. All right. So again, Matt Patricia was one of those um, Bill Belichick trust fund babies who just got a job. He ran the defense in New England. They were successful. I'm not saying they weren't successful, but the Belichick coaching tree is not like the Parcells coaching tree. He started as a quality control guy who was doing grunt work and worked his way. Let's let's get that out of the way first. Right. But my point being, succeed next to Belichick, you'll get a job. He was fired Saturday. By the way, the Lions fired him during the Michigan game. You talk about a news dump that was strategically placed. They, they fired him this past weekend. That guy, the guy calling, guy walked into Detroit and thought he had five rings. That guy, his record was 13, 29, and 1. Jim Caldwell could teach this dude a thing or two about how to coach in this league, and he was let go. This guy got to 13, 29, and 1. Best of luck to you, jackass. We're going to take a break. The one and only Shai Davidi joins us next. Are the Jays getting close on George Springer? We'll ask him. This is Tim and Sid and Arash, live on TV and radio. Best of luck, Patricia. So Adam Schefter of ESPN is reporting. Steelers-Ravens will be Wednesday afternoon, 3.40 Eastern kickoff. (laughs) I'm sure NBC's thrilled with that. They just can't wait to not have that game in prime time. What a, a quick thought, Arash, on that. Doing what is like? What is the Wednesday night NBC lineup look like that they can't put? Why? Why is that happening? We'll find out. Again, nothing official. Tines, Golden Girls. <laughs> yes, Golden ER? Girls. Great current. Great current references. All Arash. When's the last <laughs> the time NBC you watched lineup. an NBC sitcom, Sixero? That's a, that's a that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, to baseball, John Paul Morosi earlier today. Sources. Blue Jay is showing interest in Colton Wong and are prepared to make him a top priority among free agent second basemen if the whole DJ LeMahieu thing doesn't work out and he goes somewhere else. Also, Shai Davidi, in his column over the weekend, said that the Jays and George Springer, free agent formerly of the Houston Astros, are past the talking stage. That's intriguing as hell. Shai Davidi of Sportsnet joining us now. Shai, it's great to talk to you. What does past the talking stage mean for a layperson like myself? Well, they're not just discussing, uh, hey, uh, you know, we, we have some interest, let's stay in touch. There's some more meaningful conversations in, cer- in terms of imagining what uh, what a partnership might look like. Uh, things are a bit more in-depth uh, and, and imagination of uh, just what, uh, h- how things would work, what the, you know, where, where the different, uh, uh, I guess, where the different uh, commonalities lie, uh, essentially. So... Uh, I don't know if they, they've actually exchanged numbers at this point or anything along those lines, but this isn't just uh, you know your basic hey we're, we're interested let's stay in touch. Uh, things have gotten a little bit more in depth uh, at this hmm. point. Took four years, the extra year to get Hunjin Ryu. What are we talking about term and dollars for Springer on the market, Shai? It's interesting. Uh, I I would have thought you know four to five years is probably where it's at. You know, is there is there a little push beyond that uh, to get him to come here? Uh, I don't know, uh, but I would think you've got to be looking at something in the four to five year range, considering he's uh, thirty one, thirty two. So yeah, I think that would probably be uh, about 
the the right number to to land him and uh, you know you'd have to think that we're we're talking about nine figures uh, in terms of uh, in terms of dollars so uh it, to get George Springer it's going to be a very substantial commitment to whoever makes it uh but he's uh one of the most dynamic players is available on the market the one and only Shai Davidi here on Tim and Sid with Arash Madani uh Andy Martino gentleman of SNY who's pretty dialed into the Mets uh reported earlier today that they are also looking at a guy like Springer. And, Shai, my, my, my question is more big picture here. Steve Cohen just bought that team for $2.4 billion. He, he grew up watching that team, and I, I feel like he has complicated the free agency market a little bit for certain teams like the Jays who would want to do something. I'm not saying the Jays can't be busy, but when you look at a guy like Steve Cohen, who most believe would want to bring in at least a couple of big-ticket items, whether through trade or free agency, how much tougher did this period get for uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins when you got new money like that kicking around? Yeah, I think that's a, a big factor of what's happening in free agency right now because if you're uh, an agent of one of the primary players on the market, you want to see where the Mets are going to be at, right? And they're still sorting out some things in the front office. Obviously, Sandy Alderson's there, and uh, you know he's about a, a, an accomplished and executive as you'd have in the game. Uh, but they want to build out uh, their front office and you know, is that maybe holding up some things? They've obviously haven't had a ton of time together to to decide exactly what they want to do or how in-depth they want to go. So, you know, I think there's some agents who want to see exactly what the Mets are going to do and, and maybe wait on the Mets to, to make the first move before uh, they jump right in and see if they might set the market for everybody else who's out there. Shy, three weeks ago, it felt like you couldn't talk Blue Jays without talking Lindor. I don't think I've heard his name anywhere in baseball over the last 15 days. What's going on there? Well, I think there's a couple things, right? It's uh, obviously the if, if you're Cleveland, you're trying to max out on the return and you, you want to make sure that you're getting uh, the best possible deal. So I'd imagine that their asks are uh, quite high. Uh, and but I think the bigger thing that's gumming it up is that, you know, I don't think that teams are able have been able to find out what Lindor might be thinking in terms of free agency. You know, can you extend him? Uh, you know, is, is there a number that, you know, if you trade for him and give up prospects, you know, can, can you get a get a deal done and lock him up before he hits the open market? Uh, because that obviously changes how much teams would be willing to give up in order to get him. So. You know, I think it's a combination of those two things. And look, you know, I'm not saying it's going to play out exactly in this way, but you look at how the Mookie Betts thing went down last year, and, you know, Mookie Betts was out there, was out there, was out there. Nothing was happening. Everybody made their moves, uh, and then the offseason is kind of done. And then the, the deal with the Dodgers happens at that point. So, you know, if you're Cleveland, maybe you're waiting for – all the free agent pieces to get out there where, you know, teams still have alternatives. Once they're out of alternatives, uh, there might be fewer teams in the market, but you know, somebody who misses out on a shortstop may say at that point, all right, what do we have to do to get this done and pay a little bit more than they might be willing to right now. Okay. A longer question, but follow me on this. A couple of weeks ago, I was filling in for Blair on writer's block. David Sampson was on. Mm -hmm. And I said, David, if you're going to go get Francisco Lindor, you have to have a side deal in place to make sure that you're going to get this guy extended. You're not going to give up so much. And he said, look, collusion happens. These deals 
are contingent on that. Those conversations are going to be happening with Lindor's camp before a trade is made. That, that, that was his stance on this. If you're going to give up a, a ton for Lindor, it's with the understanding that this is going to be an extension involved in it, right? It can't be a rental. It's not a Kawhi situation, is it? No, I wouldn't think, at least not from, from the Blue Jays' end. You know, the, the Blue Jays don't want to give up assets or th- those types of assets for a, a one-year rental at this point. And, uh, and nor, nor should they because, you know, they're not, it's not just Lindor and, and they're good, right? And, and the other thing is, you know, I do think that the Blue Jays would like to ideally put together uh, some some pieces that are going to be here for a while that are going to be help be part of this team's identity, not just for one year, but, but for a few years. And, you know, they, they've got a great core. They've got a ton of young talent in that, but, you know, not all those guys are going to be everything that we expect them to be. You know, I mean, if it turns out that way, great, but the likelihood is that's not the case. So they need to get some proven performers in and around those, those guys so they can handle the inevitable attrition that's going to come and allow the the group to progress and move forward. So uh, I you know I can't see them blowing their brains out on a on a rental in terms of price paid and that's why I do think that for the Blue Jays there has to be you know at minimum an understanding of if you get to this number it'll happen uh before there's any sort of real consideration there. Shine of Video Sportsnet here on Tim and Sid. Shy the uh the report that kind of kind of put everyone on their heels from the Globe and Mail on Friday about future plans for Skydome and knocking it down and yada, yada, yada. Does that help the Jays in this moment? Or does that kind of hurt them? Like, how do you read that? I think it's neither. You know, I mean, one, there's lots that has to happen before that even gets started off the ground. Uh, you know, before the, if, if everything goes well and, and there's, it all gets done and gets built. Uh, you know, anybody who's signing is probably going to be either at the back end of the contract or, or gone to either the end of their career to another club by then. So I don't think this is something that's on the horizon. But I do think that it's sort of more important from uh, the perspective of, you know, the Blue Jays are going to be a team that could be a, a, financial, a significant financial force with these extra new revenues that such a project could create uh and you know mark shapiro's talked a number of times about how the the one lever they have to generate more revenue for the team uh, and allow them to spend even more aggressively in free agency is to redo the stadium and so you know that was the thought process behind a renovation if you're talking an entirely new stadium as part of a sports anchor development uh, you know, that could really position the Blue Jays uh, in, in, a, in a very good way to continue spending into the future. So, Shai, the Jays have been linked to everyone. Free agent, not free agent, infielder, outfielder, catcher, pitcher. Springer now seems to be the flavor of the week. Uh, Lindor prior to that. Outside of those two... Who's a legitimate player that you can see being on their opening day roster next season? You know, I, I still think that the guy they'd love most to get is DJ LeMahieu. And, hmm. uh, you know, he was described to me by someone as sort of the perfect fit. Uh, you know, he, he fits a lot of the uh, a lot of the needs they have from, from an offensive perspective, you know, 
good batting average guy, contact, quality contact, smart hitter, uh, positional versatility, you know, second, third base especially, uh, leader, uh, good teammate, all those things. You know, he's all those guys. All, he brings all those elements. He's a grown-up as well. Uh, he's played on, on winning clubs. You know, I think that guy, if, if he, I don't know if he's necessarily your number one, but uh, I've, I've gotten the sense that, that that's somebody that they're really big on. But, you know, prying him away from the Yankees isn't going to be easy. Uh, the Mets are going to be a factor there too. So, you know, you, you, I think the Blue Jays have to keep their eyes open on all the impact players because, you know, the sense is that they're going to get, end up with somebody. Um, because there's just so many guys and only a limited number of seats this off season. This very weird COVID uh, uh, COVID consequenced off season, and because of that, the the Blue Jays are trying to keep their options open, being ready for whoever uh, ends up being available to them, uh, be, and they have the ability to take on any number of different guys because there's so many ways that they can construct this roster. You can make the argument. As we say goodbye to Shai Davidi, we you can make the argument, Shai, if they get LeMahieu with both New York teams bidding, it's arguably a more impressive signing than Roger Clemens. With new ownership on the Mets side, with what he's meant to the Yankees, I have not heard a negative thing about this player. To go just to piggyback your points, I I, I haven't on or off the field in the clubhouse. I haven't heard it. If the Jays were to snag someone like that, especially with the Mets having Robinson Cano suspended and fresh money to spend. And needing a guy like him, that would be stunning. I, I'd put right, I put that right up there with Clemens. Yeah, I mean that would be super intriguing. And remember that it was the uh, the the Yankees that the Jays beat out for Roger Clemens, and uh, you know Paul Beeston infamously uh, calling George Steinbrenner afterwards to talk a little trash about the Jays getting it done and, <laughs> and him not getting it. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure Mark Shapiro would be on the phone with with Steve Cohen or, or Sandy. You never know. Doing the I don't know. He was chirping the, the Yankees way. a little bit this season about whining. I don't know. Mark's got a bit of that in him. I kind of like it. Shine, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of like it. It would be something, but yeah, I agree with you. It'd be super significant, but I do think that it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, yes. it would have to be a significant financial outlay to get them, uh, or or you're able to convince him that the situation here is just going to be so perfect for him. Uh, but you know, he's he's comfortable uh, in New York. Obviously, the, the Yankees want him back. Uh, the Mets want him to stay in, in the city. Uh, you know, that's uh, it, he, it, it's good to be DJ LeMahieu right now. Yes, it is. Yes, it's always good to be shy, David. Shy, love you, brother. Uh, stay well, stay safe. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Yeah, take care of yourselves, boys. Talk to you soon. One and only shy, David. Always working. Um, we're going to step aside. Arash, I love shows like this where the one story just keeps updating itself. I know. We're going to step aside. Uh, let me ask you in the audience this. How do you feel about a 340 kickoff Wednesday, Steelers-Ravens, and how do you feel about three NFL games next Monday night? Because that's what we're hearing. Details straight except, ahead, and who knows? Except oh. could be a doubleheader because another game may get kicked to Tuesday. What? Okay, I can barely on? keep. I can. We have entered the silly season of the NFL. We'll talk about it next. He's a rash. I'm Sid. This is Tim and Sid live on TV and radio. Welcome back, everybody. Sitsik Sarah Arash Madani here live on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Tim McAuliffe, he is off this week. 
He'll be back next week. We'll get to what we're seeing schedule-wise with the NFL in just a second. And we actually have a bit of a reason as to why Wednesday's Steelers-Ravens game would be an afternoon game. It is a TV reason. Thank you to the Tim and Citizens for letting us know. But we felt we needed to, uh, right now, just kind of go through all of the incredible um, moments of remembrance there were over the weekend in the soccer world for Diego Armando Maradona, who died last week at the age of 60, and not just in the soccer world. Uh, We begin with Argentina facing New Zealand in their Tri-Nations rugby match. The All Blacks paid their respects by laying a number 10 jersey on the field and performing the traditional haka. It was uh, it was quite the scene, and it's something you don't normally see. So you had that. Then uh, then in Naples, a rash yesterday. What a it, it broke my heart. The stadium had to be empty for it. Mm-hmm. For for Naples to have to remember Maradona like that in an empty stadium isn't right. But it is what it is. And Lorenzo Insigne, a Napoli-born player, he curled an amazing free kick into the top corner, and uh, he had the Maradona jersey collectively. As a team, they had it before the game, but he had it individually after the goal to honor the club. So what did Messi do? Um, Arguably on par, some would say, with Maradona. Forever linked uh, with the number 10 he also scored, and under his own jersey, he revealed Maradona's Newell's Old Boys shirt. Um, Newell's are a former club of Maradona, the last club he he played for, and Messi's favorite boyhood team. And then... Um, the Messi goal was eerily, eerily similar to the one he scored um, back in the Newell's old boys era. Uh, and if you're comparing him back and forth, I've kind of lost the feed here momentarily, so forgive me. But the goal he scored at Newell's is exactly like the one Messi scored over the weekend against Osasuna. And just for good measure, uh, the image circulated of Messi apparently attempting his own hand of God moment during Sunday's match. And then um, one of the more emotional ones of the weekend, Boca Juniors, where Maradona spent time at the start and end of his career. The team all wore number 10 Maradona jerseys and celebrated their first goal by running towards Maradona's daughter, Dalma, who was watching in a basically empty stadium in the Maradona's private suite. Uh, The emotion was there for all to see. And uh, it was just absolutely absolutely amazing so um again just the trip there were too many tributes just to get in a rash if i'm being honest but uh, it's also worth noting that there are there are some other stories out of argentina coming right now about the death of maradona mm-hmm. 60 police raided uh, the doctor of diego maradona and there are now accusations that he wasn't being cared for enough or the medicine he was given wasn't enough following his uh, his blood clot a few weeks ago there's also talk about why the ambulance took so long to get to his place after the heart attack last week. Um, some say it took an hour. His doctor said it was only 15 minutes. So, uh, Arash, like in death, much like in life, things are a little complicated with Diego Armando Maradona. Uh, I'm sure it's a story we'll be updating throughout the week. But anyway, that that's just out there for for everyone to see. The, the messy stuff was incredible. Like you, you it can was only truly incredible. Yeah, it was the side by side. It was. One generation and the next, the torch being passed. It was almost as if you were watching it unfold, you know, looking into the mirror, if you will, coming down the left wing, making that strike with the left foot. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of the next professional athlete who goes, who will be mourned the way, I mean, this year, 
Sports has lost Kobe Bryant and Diego Maradona. Who's the next one that will have that will carry this kind of I don't know global significance Rev- reverence so to speak yeah I mean it's a good question uh, I I don't know it's because he was just so different in that there was no there was no personality in any sport who was as hated and loved simultaneously like find me the athlete who's that hated like back, he back didn't for, pretend for... he was not a politician. He exactly. just, I am what I am and yeah. deal with it. Correct. And it became one of those deals that people said, oh, well, you know, it was almost like you shrugged your shoulders. And you said, well, that's just Diego being Diego. Yeah. And that's okay. Absolutely. And that's okay. And, but I, I mean, maybe Ali, when Ali was taking the political stand, he had his political enemies. There were people that on, on both sides of that issue at the time. Uh, I don't know. But like, I, I just, I... It's it's an he's an amazing personality in so many ways, and even after he's gone, again, like it's it's really messy right now in terms of sixty cops raided his his doctor's office yesterday, mm-hmm. looking for what I'm not really sure, but um, it's just an it's just an interesting story. It's a really interesting story, and again, we'll have we'll have more details on the legal side of it coming up. But when when uh, to to not have Napoli's stadium the the, the Stadio San Paolo full yesterday was criminal was absolutely criminal for what he meant. And it's, it's, it's just, it was just a shame. It was a shame. But I think proper respect was shown, again, not just in soccer, but you saw it in rugby and, and Tri-Nations, and you, you, you've been seeing it all over the world. So Diego Maradona remembered this past weekend in many unique, unique ways. Speaking of unique, unique ways, um, again, I want, I want to thank the Tim and Citizens here for, letting us, uh, for helping us out on why it is a 3.40 Eastern kickoff time is being submitted for the Ravens and Steelers on Wednesday due to COVID reasons. Uh, I want to thank Frank and uh, thank you to everyone, Jennifer at Tim and Sid. So the reason it's an afternoon game, Arash, it's NBC's annual 88th Christmas in Rockefeller Center where they light the Christmas tree and do all that stuff. Mm. So NBC NBC could not move a Christmas tree lighting. I always thought the NFL as a TV property okay, as a TV product, was fairly bulletproof. Even in these times, you know, you're not seeing normal numbers, but right. you're not seeing the decay that were NHL and NBA ratings down there, and, part, and partly in Canada as well. Like, the NFL hung in there. They were okay. Why NBC? Is this out of spite? Are they just no, mad at the NFL for putting them in this spot? It's at their headquarters. Rockefeller Plaza. No, it's is right there. I know where the Today Show is filmed, where SNL goes down. That that. But you can't one. move the Christmas. My my point is, you can't move the Christmas tree lighting. Or or does NBC have no confidence right now? The NFL knows what they're doing. They don't want to move it. Right. Because right. if they if because the NFL Tomorrow right now at this time Sid. Exactly. Where are we? Exactly. Where are we? I don't know. The NFL is, I mean, the NBC schedulers are pulling their hair out. Again, this game was supposed to be last Thursday, moved to yesterday at 1 p.m., moved to tomorrow night, now moved to Wednesday at 3.40. So if I'm NBC, <laughs> why am I moving anything? I know it's a Christmas tree, but what if you tell, you're right, what if you tell me tomorrow, oops, sorry, we're going, because thir- there's no Thursday nighter this week. Oops, right. we're going Thursday. Oops, we're going Friday. I don't know. If I'm NBC, the more I talk it out, Arash, and I'm NBC, to hell with you. 
Don't be doing this to me. We're NBC, man. We pay you a lot of money. A lot of money. Don't be over, doing that. Over a billion dollars a year for one game a week, plus Thanksgiving, plus two preseason games and a Super Bowl every three years. Um, Sid, this time tomorrow, we're talking about Baltimore-Pittsburgh being played on Thursday night. Where's that coming from? No, I'm just, the way this is going. Oh, this time tomorrow? Oh, I thought there was another report. No. <laughs> Sorry, that's where I'm the jumping. Issue, the the I'm issue, thinking... the reason they're not moving it to Thursday is the back end of it is because of next week's games. Right. That's the issue. Correct. Wednesday Correct. at 340. Steelers and a not a nothing game. Not a nothing game at all. A this gigantic Denver. game. This isn't Denver. This isn't the Houston Texans who lost Will Fuller to a PED suspension today. Um, this isn't any of that. And if I like, I, I honestly, I think NBC's making a stand here because nothing else makes sense. Why do I have to move my tree party if you're just going to move it again? And you might. I, I this is now this is now the the networks in a way, and we've never seen this. American networks are given a little pushback here to the National Football League and saying we are all for your product. We know the negotiations are happening as we speak. For the but next get race, your bleep deal. together. Bingo. That's exactly what they're saying. We will be pushed to a point. We are the home of ER. <laughs> we are the home of the Golden Girls. Was the Golden Friends? Girls an NBC show? Oh, Friends yeah. was an NBC show. Golden Girls was it really an NBC show? A different world. A different world. Yeah, Fresh coming off the cause. Have you seen the Fresh Prince reunion? Tell the, me you've the, seen the Fresh Prince reunion. I did. Have you I seen have. It? Uh, the the Save by the Bell remake. That's I'm not going to watch that. Mm. Are you going to watch that? No, but Saved by the Bell and religiously. Oh, the Max. Saved by the Bell. There's, the never, there's never going to be another Max. Yeah. There's never going to be another Max. I highly suggest watch the, watch the Fresh Prince reunion. Uh, Arash, terrific job. We will talk to everyone tomorrow. Who knows what the world will look like. But as we leave you, remember. I wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. And yes, wash Arash your is washing his hands, washing too. Washing your hands. Washing your hands. The end of show tradition. Nice job, Rash. See you tomorrow.